The scripture reading this morning is from Luke chapter 10, 25 through 37. Just then, a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? He answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him he passed by on the other side. So likewise a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came near him, and when he saw him, he was moved with pity. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them. When he, then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him, and when I come back, I will repay you whatever more you spend. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Michelle, for reading our scripture today. We are beginning a new sermon series this morning called Neighboring. And I'm going to first say thank you to our staff and volunteers who have been driving all over Stafford County taking pictures of entrances to neighborhoods. You'll see many of them displayed here behind me. They're also on display in the lobby uh, on both sides. We tried to capture as many neighborhoods as we could, different kinds, different types, and we couldn't get them all, but we tried to represent as many as we could. Your neighborhood where you live might be represented somewhere among some. And if you live in some of the more rural parts of the county or wherever you are joining us uh, from online, your neighbors might look a little different. They might be those persons you see every day at school, those persons you see at the grocery store, the cashiers. It might be persons you see in the school hallways. It might be persons you see at work. Wherever that might be, your neighbors can be those persons you see every day on a regular basis those persons God calls us to love. Would you pray with me as we begin our message together today? Lord, this day we pray for our neighbors. We pray for our actual next-door neighbors. We pray for those people we see every day. And we pray, Lord, that we would not pass by. We pray today, too, for our neighborhoods, the communities in which we live, our schools, the businesses, homes, apartments, neighborhoods, townhouses, everywhere, Lord, where people live. We pray for those places and those people this day. Send us out to be your hands and feet in the midst of them. This we pray as we say, O Lord, May the words of my mouth, the meditations of all of our hearts, be acceptable and pleasing 
in your sight, O Lord, our rock, our Savior, our Redeemer, our refuge. And all God's people said, Amen. When we think about neighbors, there is a story from Scripture that often comes to mind first. And that's the story Michelle read for us today. A lawyer comes to test Jesus and asks a question. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus says, you're well read. What do you think? And the gentleman responds with two things. First, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And second, love your neighbor as yourself. This is what Jesus has been teaching wherever Jesus has gone as the greatest commandment. It's a good answer, and Jesus tells him so, and says to him, do this and you will live. And he says, do this. Did you catch that part? The lawyer listens. Do this? Put this into action? Well, there the lawyer has a problem. And the questions start to come. Which neighbor? All my neighbors? He looks for a loophole and he looks to Jesus and he says, define neighbor. Because in that culture as in our own, there are divisions, lines, biases, prejudices, politics. All my neighbors, Jesus, give me a loophole here. Then Jesus does that frustrating Jesus thing in which when you ask him a question, he answers not with a straight answer but with a story. And so he tells a story. There was a man who was Jewish walking down the road from Jerusalem to Jericho. The lawyer and those hearing this story would have known that road well. It was 17 miles long and very dangerous, full of narrow passageways and caves and boulders and places where thieves could hide and jump out at the people who were passing by in order to rob them, which is exactly what happens to the man in the story that Jesus tells. Thieves come out. They rob him, they strip him, they beat him, they leave him for dead by the side of the road. It's a terrible story. And then someone is coming by. That someone happens to be a pastor, so good news. Things are looking up because everybody knows pastors love and help everybody, except that he doesn't. He passes on by. Then a second person is coming down the road, and good news, things are looking up. It's a Levite. And a Levite, these people who would have hearing this story would have known, would be someone like an Ebenezer Church governing board member or a head usher, someone who has responsibilities in worship and the faith community, so they know that this person will stop and help the beaten traveler, except that he doesn't. He goes on by. And then a third person is coming down in the story. And this is not good news. Things are definitely not looking up. This person is a Samaritan. Samaritans and Jews despised each other, had done so for centuries, avoided each other, did not eat together, did not talk together. 
Jews, if they said the word Samaritan, might even have spit after they said it. There were snide comments back and forth, and if Twitter and Facebook had existed back then, you could have imagined the things that they would have said about each other. And so, this man, we know, is going to make things worse, except that he doesn't. He stops. He sees the man. He does not walk by. He comes alongside has compassion on him, treats his wounds, puts him on his donkey, takes him to an inn, pays for him to stay there, continues to care for him, and says he'll come back in case there are more charges that arise and he'll take care of them too. This man has done what the others did not. And Jesus says to the lawyer, which of these was the neighbor? And the lawyer doesn't want to say the word Samaritan so he says the one who showed him mercy Jesus says go and do likewise do this and you will really live many people think that this is a story about stopping to help someone having car trouble on the side of the road when we interpret the story that way we sell it short with Jesus choosing a Samaritan for the third person coming down the road. This story is not at all about changing a tire. This story is now about changing hearts and expanding them and wanting them to grow. This story is about Jesus going from storytelling to meddling and wanting us to change. Jesus cuts down any right we think we have to hold a bias. There are, I will say, needed exceptions for healthy barriers around persons who are violent or abusive. That is another sermon for another day. This story for us today lifts up a counter-cultural, radical way of life and way of living a way of living that demands that we stop and notice and do not pass by and see another human being and come alongside them in grace and mercy and love and make a difference. Jesus in this story defines neighbor in the widest and simultaneously most particular sense. It is every person and each. Jesus narrows it down and spreads it as broadly as he can. Loving neighbors, our actual every next door neighbor can be a hard thing to do. But there are times when we get it, when we don't pass by. Hurricane Isabel comes to mind. I don't know where you were living when that happened. I was living in Richmond at the time. It was September 2003, about this time of year. Where I lived, many of us were without power for over two weeks. Trees were down, roads were closed. We didn't have water because the treatment plants were closed. And where I lived in my neighborhood, on most days, we would wave at each other from a distance if we happened to be leaving for work at the same time. 
If we happen to be coming home from work in our commutes around the same time, we'd wave from a distance and go inside. But when Hurricane Isabel came through, something shifted. We came out of our houses and we checked on each other and we saw each other and we helped each other pick up all the limbs and the trees, the massive trees that were down in our yards. We helped each other get help in order to do that. And all those freezers that we had that weren't working anymore, we took the meat out of them that had thawed and we grilled and had big neighborhood block parties so that none of that food would go to waste. We shared it all with one another. And I remember driving in one neighborhood near my house and it felt like this continuous speed bump. And I looked down in the road and there were these orange lines all across the road, one after the other. And I started asking around to find out what happened. Well, it turns out that one side of the street had finally gotten electricity. And they were so excited they didn't want to keep it to themselves. They all went out and bought those huge orange extension cords from Lowe's or Home Depot. And they ran them from their houses to their neighbors' houses on the other side of the street where they still did not have power for a week or more. So that they shared not only electricity, but they shared relationship. They shared compassion. And they took care of one another. There are times when we get loving our neighbors and there are times when we do it well. 9-11 for a while was one of those times, was it not? We came out of our houses. We checked on each other. We wanted to see how other people were doing. We asked about it. I remember going to a doctor's office that next day and we sat with our heads down And then we finally looked up and we started to smile and look at each other and see each other and not pass by. The early days of COVID were like that too. I don't know if you remember just a year and a half ago when the world kind of shut down and we were home, my husband and I, and our neighbors were home in their houses. And so what did we do? We we love each other, but that's a lot of alone time. And so we came out of our houses And we talked to our neighbors, one driveway to another. We could stand safely apart and carry on conversations and say, how are you doing? And see each other and not pass by. And children and adults got sidewalk chalk and they wrote all over the sidewalks these messages of encouragement so when we took walks, we would see them. And people in our neighborhoods took rocks, excuse me, and they painted on them. And put them on the trails around where we live so that when we would walk, we would see them and be encouraged and not pass by. There are times when we love our neighbors well and we get it and we build relationships and live out God's love and grace with each other, one-on-one, with our actual next-door neighbors. There's a story in this book that we're using for our sermon series. Our series is, in fact, based somewhat on this book called The Art of Neighboring by Jay Pathak and Dave Runyon. And they tell a story in the book about a city that was having a lot of issues at the time. And the pastors who wrote this book, they got together with other pastors in their community to try to figure out what they could do about it in order to make a difference. And they invited the mayor of the city to come and meet with them and asked, how can we help? What can we do? And this is what the mayor said. The majority of the issues that our community is facing, 
would be eliminated or drastically reduced if we could figure out a way to become a community of great neighbors. If people get to know each other, it puts faces on issues and it's a relationship, not a debate or a yard sign or a bumper sticker or a rant. The mayor told them relationships are more effective than programs. And the pastor writing the book said he was a little bit embarrassed. (laughs) He said, here we were asking the mayor how we can best serve the city. And the mayor said to the pastors, it'd be great if you lived out that part of Jesus' commandment (laughs) to love our neighbors well. He said, you know what? We should have thought of that. It is a simple, profound, biblical idea. So the authors thought then, what if we did it? What if we challenged everyone in our churches to do it? What if we took Jesus' commandment literally and loved our neighbors, our actual next-door neighbors, the persons we see every day in our lives? What if we loved our actual next-door door neighbors and co-workers and classmates and grocery store cashiers what if Michelle Paquette mentioned our new initiative this morning as we kick it off today we are for you which means we are for Stafford we are for our communities we are for the places wherever we live if you're joining us online today wherever it is that you call home It means that we are called to live out our faith and put skin on God's love for others right where we live, outside the walls of the church. One model for doing ministry is what I call the magnet mode, the magnet model in which we have a big event and we hope that it will attract people and they will come. This is the opposite of that. This means we go out of the building to serve to live out the gospel, to live out God's love and grace right where we are, wherever we are. Michelle said it earlier. What if God is sending into the community you and me and each one of us to live out God's grace with the people wherever we are, right where we live? It's praying with questions like, what does the gospel look like here, right here, where we live and move and breathe. How does the gospel sound right here in our own community? Some of us uh, get this, and it's part of who we are. It's part of how we live our faith. And for others of us, it is an intentional shift And so to help us make that shift, the book offers a few strategies. One of those is this neighbor grid, which we want to mention to you today. You'll see a picture of it there. You can download it from the digital bulletin, and we've got copies of it printed at the welcome desk today. And you'll see the you in the middle. That's you. That is I. And then around it, we've put eight blocks And we invite that to be the eight persons who live closest to you. And if you're in more of a rural area, those eight persons you would see on a regular basis, maybe coworkers, grocery store cashiers, postal carriers, and more. 
And so on the first line, we invite you to write in that person's name so that we stop and don't pass by and start a conversation and get to know somebody, little by little. On the second line, we're invited to put something about them. Where are they from? What do they do? On the third line, we get to know more about that person. What do they care about? What are the things that matter the most to them in their lives? This is not something that we do in order to convert people. This is something that we do because we are already converted. And this is who Jesus tells us in Scripture to be. Someone who loves God and loves our neighbors well and lives that out wherever we are with whomever is around us in our communities, our homes, with our actual next-door neighbors. When we lifted this initiative up in a previous church that I served, people were coming up to me after the service and saying, but um, Pastor Emily, which neighbors? All neighbors? (laughs) What about that neighbor whose dog comes and digs up my flower bed every spring? What about that neighbor whose politics make my skin crawl? What about that neighbor that never waves when I wave to him every morning? And I thought, boy, doesn't this sound familiar? I was thinking myself, what about that neighbor I had years ago whose dogs were out in the backyard in the middle of the night and would bark for hours at a time? Those dogs that I loved but would keep me awake from two to three to four. So I was standing there thinking, which neighbor, Jesus? All neighbors? Doesn't that sound familiar? It sounds like the lawyer saying to Jesus, define neighbor for me, because I want a loophole. And then Jesus tells a story in response, a story in which Jesus puts in the person who shows the most compassion, the last person the lawyer ever thought would help. A story that challenges us, remember? Not so much to change a tire, but to change our hearts and to be open to what God is up to within them. The call from Jesus is get back to the basics. Love God, love your neighbors, everything else is secondary. In a church that I served out on the Northern Neck, they got this. And they started something that we called Love Wednesdays. And on Wednesdays, they would pick people in the community they wanted to notice, people they did not want to pass by. And we would go to them where they worked. We picked up custodians, school cafeteria workers, electric power linemen after an ice storm, postal carriers, small business owners. And we would make up these bags of water bottles and we'd put food in there and we'd write cards, lots and lots of cards that said, thank you for all you do for this community. We see you and we're grateful for you. And on Wednesdays, we'd go out in teams and we'd go to these places and we'd take them and we'd show up outside the post office. We'd show up at the school parking lot where the school buses were and to thank the bus drivers. We'd show up in those small businesses and we would say, thank you. We see you. 
And we're grateful that we get to be in community with you. There are times when we get this right. This church is good at that too. This church has been good at that for 150 some years and we get to be good at it for 150 some more. And so Jesus is sending us out. Sending us out into our neighborhoods. Out to where we live and move and work. To be examples of God's love and grace right where we are with our actual next-door neighbors. Michelle Paquette put it beautifully in one of our staff meetings recently when she said, what if we, each one of us, are the entry points for someone else into God's love and grace? The Samaritan was. Those neighbors with orange extension cords were. People after Hurricane Isabel were. The people doing Love Wednesday were. Those of us who showed up at Moncure Elementary talked to teachers. They were. All of us can do it too. Jesus is calling us to love God with all that we are and to love our neighbors. Our actual next door neighbors to make God's love real for somebody else with skin on it. Jesus says, do this and you will really live. Amen and amen.